Welcome to Scrollin', a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket, and this is episode number 14. And again, I'm joined by Davius Starjumper. How you doing, man? Can't complain. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Never complained a day in his life, this guy. <laughs> All right, so there's been a few uh, there's been a few press releases this week. Uh, we'll just kind of go through them quickly here. Uh, starting with last night, they did a live stream on Twitch, just going over uh, again the vampire rework, and they gave some preview of the Kinds Aegis trial. I don't think they really showed us a whole lot that we didn't already know, but you know, for people who aren't really keeping a close eye on um, the PTS patch notes and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's just kind of some general information about what's been going on with vampire. They showed off. Some stuff like um, the new feeding animations and, and different things like that. I just kind of talked about it. Uh, that video is still up if you want to get some more info about um, what's going on with Vampire and just kind of see some of the stuff in action. Um, you can see that there. They also field a lot of um, questions from, uh, from the Twitch chat and stuff like that. So um, a lot of questions getting answered there. Pretty cool. They also show... Um, really just some screenshots and stuff of the new trial. And they talk a little bit about kind of the design aspects of it and stuff like that. I'm probably not going to end up doing the trial more than likely, so I didn't really pay super close <laughs> attention to it. Uh, but for anyone who's interested in that, it's there. Did you check that out, Davis? Did you watch that live stream? I haven't watched it yet. Um, I'll probably just watch it because, I, like you, I, I don't do a whole lot of trials, but I'm interested to see what it looks like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe trials will be something that, that I'll start getting into. Yeah, I mean, I always... I'm interested in them, you know, because there's a lot of cool story content and they're, especially lately, like in recent years, their trials are designed really, really cool. Uh, I think it's just hard to get a group of 12 people together or I don't know. It's, it's a lot of effort. I don't know if it's hard. It's just a lot of effort to get <laughs> hey, 12 people students, together. Students, goons gets big enough. We, we're going to start knocking these trials out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll become a, we'll become a PVP slash trial guild. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's all I'll say about that one. Uh, another press release they dropped this week is titled Confront Skyrim's Dark Heart in the Greymore Chapters Gothic Storyline. <laughs> yeah. uh, just keep it going. Just The, the title is, just never gives up. <laughs> the title is actually the entire article. They just put it all in the title. <laughs> uh, I'll put links to all these things in the description uh, of the episode, by the way. But um it's a written article but they do embed like a two or three minute long sort of story trailer They're just kind of setting the tone of this new kind of gloomy creepy vampire stuff that's coming up um so yeah the whole trailer is just kind of setting that vibe for everything uh, and then the written portion of the article, they're kind of talking about the creative process for writing the storyline and de developing characters. They talk about the challenges of like writing a monstrous sort of character in a memorable way, you know, because they have to be scary and monster-like, but they also have to have believable motives and, and be interesting and that kind of thing. So um, if you're interested in the kind of the creative process, it's a, it's a pretty good read. And you get a few little story hints sprinkled throughout there as well. Yeah. I actually thought that was actually a pretty cool article to read just because, like you said, to kind of see their creative process. And they've really kind of gone all in on this. Uh, you know, they they kind of set the year, uh, this new strategy they have where it's kind of they set a year in place. All the stories focused throughout this year. You know, they release new DLC, but it still t all ties into this yearly story. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really great creative process. I think it's really, um, you know, really upped their... Um, 
lore and story and, and PVE side of things. You know, we always talk about, um, you know, where their focus is and what their main focus is. And, you know, PVE is the majority of players, what the majority of players are doing. And uh, they're doing a really good job with their PVE, PVE side of things. They, they really, I feel like, have, like, you know, there's a lot of criticisms that could be leveled at this game for, you know, for a lot of it valid. But I think one area where they they really are consistently very very good is just making very good story questing content uh that's engaging i feel like that aspect of the game only ever gets better and better and better with each patch yeah and it's been good since the you know since we since i started playing it's been good but it, it really like you said like every patch it just gets a little and a little better Another press release they uh, they dropped is called Sink Your Fangs into Update 26's Vampire Skill Line Revamp. <laughs> these riveting, these riveting these titles, titles, man. <laughs> <laughs> these amazing titles. Um, this one just came out, I guess, yesterday, was it? Um, and it's just kind of a summary of these vampire changes that are happening. Uh, it's Again, it's really not much that we don't already know, but it's in kind of a, a formal, official press release. It's kind of all there in one place. Uh, there's another little trailer as well, just kind of highlighting some of these things that have changed. Uh, and then there's a big write-up, sort of diving into a little bit more detail. Again, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, probably not going to learn a lot of new stuff there, but, you know, maybe. Yeah. The biggest thing to me, and we this is it's not new news, but uh, I'm still just really excited about it for... Maybe it's something simple, but I'm really excited about it, is the new animation for feeding. Uh, yeah. You know, they they said exactly what, you know, what I've kind of mentioned is that they said, you know, we really made this in line with the Blade of Woe animation, which the Blade of Woe animation is fantastic. So I was really excited to read those exact words, like to have the feed on the same level as the Blade of Woe. Just perfect. Just yeah. Fantastic. And on that um, on that live stream last night, they uh, demonstrated that a little bit and uh it turns out that the feeding animation, if you're feeding on a player, like if you're turning another player into a vampire, it's a different animation entirely. It's a different uh, set of animations that the game chooses from. It could be one of several, depending on how you're positioned and stuff. Uh, but it's pretty That's cool. Awesome. It's not it's not like feeding on an NPC where you're just like biting into their neck and murdering them. <laughs> uh, it's more like when it's a player, you know, you're turning them into a vampire. So it's more of like a ceremony, like the player's like a willing participant in the thing. It's it's really weird, uh, but, but cool. Yeah, that is a really cool. That's cool that they've 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 gone into that much detail with it. That's that's exciting. Yeah, they they're doing all kinds of stuff. They talked about how like. Um, just out in the world, you know, there's these new vampire hunters, and it's not just part of Greymoor. They're just throughout Tamriel now. You'll run into these NPCs that just hate vampires and werewolves, and if they see that that's what you are, they're going to try to kill you. Uh, and, like, uh, merchants and stuff will treat you differently, and there's, uh, yeah. like, new so, ways to interact with the justice system and all that stuff. I wanted to hear your take on the merchant thing. So it it reminds me a lot of when necromancers were just first introduced to the game where we you know they said all right you know necromancer abilities it, it uh, it's a crime if you do it in town and we both were like wow that sounds really cool like that's really sticking to the lore now that we both have necromancers and randomly we'll be uh, i think we both are very similar we always just kind of go through our combos just kind of practice them when yeah, we do it with our necromancers and, abilities in town and yeah stuff. and then we'll hit a necromancer ability in town and then the guards come over you have to pay a couple of hundred gold or they'll start attacking you and we're always kind of like ah uh 
I'm interested to hear your take on them doing that with Vampire and uh, and I actually read this in that article. I wasn't aware of this. You know, they had mentioned that merchants will react to you differently. Apparently, if you're in a stage four vampire, the merchants will refuse to do business with you. I was interested to hear your take on yeah, that. Yeah, I read that too. But then they also wrote that – But I think they said like, well, maybe you can change their mind if you're clever uh, or something like that. I didn't know, really know what that mean. Like if you're yeah. getting special dialogue options or what. I haven't, I haven't looked into that very deeply, so I don't really know. I think it's interesting. The the thing is, what's at least nice about vampires is you can do something about it. You know, if you you can you can reduce your vampire vampirism stage, which I imagine will have a an effect on how NPCs and stuff react to you. Um, they de- they definitely seem, and they said this in the article that they want feeding to be a much bigger part of being a vampire, which kind of yeah. has a cool part to it. I. Um, if you're not having to constantly feed, which I don't think you are, you know, the uptime for stages seems to be a couple hours, but, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of like that idea, but I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if I have a vampire is, you know, I don't want it to be one of these things that where it's cool for a month and then after it's like, Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you're, you're going to be choosing a, a place. It's going to be like a werewolf kind of like you're choosing that specific, very unique play style. And that's why you make a vampire. Um, anyway, so that's that. There will be a link to that in the description. Uh, and then one other press release is just kind of a fluff thing. Um, I usually actually skip over these, but I felt uh, compelled to check it out this time. It's one of these meet-the-character write-ups. Um, they do these from time to time. They just pick a random NPC, and they'll do a little write-up just to give you some um, a little more background about that character. So this one is Fenorian. That's the character we're meeting. Um, and what's cool, what's really cool about the article, um, and I didn't really realize this until until this one because I'm actually paying attention to it, but it's not just a, it's not just written by you know one of the writers at Zoss. I mean, it is, but the way it, it reads, it's actually written from the perspective of a fictional character in the game. This dude named Sephrine Frey, who's the chronicler of Weyra, so he works for High King Emmerich of the Daggerfall Covenant. And he basically just travels around um, documenting things that happen. That's like his job. Um, so yeah, this whole write-up is like him, you know, writing about meeting this dude named Fenorian, who's a, a vampire. He's a what's it, House Ravenwatch? I think is the name of the house. So they're all everyone, every member of that house is a vampire. But don't worry, they're good vampires. Uh, this guy says. <laughs> so um, whatever that means. Um, but it's just kind of cool. He just talks about meeting this Fenorian guy for the first time and his general impressions of the guy um, and just some stuff that happens. Um, it was really cool. It has a really cool atmosphere. Uh, it reminded me, if you've ever seen uh, Castlevania on Netflix, that, that animated series, really, really cool. Uh, it has those similar, it kind of has that similar kind of tone and vibe when you read it, or to me it did. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Fenorian, this is an NPC that you first encounter in the Unhallowed Grave dungeon. So we've actually met him before, and we're going to cross paths with him again uh, in Greymoor, apparently, in some quest line there. So that's pretty cool. It just kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier, that the, the, the lore and the PvE team is, I mean, yeah. they're knocking it out of the park right now. That's kind of yeah. just, to me, kind of feeds into that. And like you said, such a cool idea to have an in-game player writing about you know an in-game npc is writing about another in-game npc yeah we we talked a little bit about that when um the southern elsewhere dlc dropped in q4 last year you know there wasn't 
a trial or any dungeons or anything like that. And I think a lot of players were kind of complaining, like, you know, what's being offered, you know, besides just the questing content. Um, and, you know, we kind of agreed like, well, the, the questing content is the main thing being offered in this, yeah. in this DLC here. And that you can kind of see that like the, the, the design of the world of, of the zone and just what all went into the, the stories and all that stuff that seemed to be where all the energy went for that DLC. Um, and I feel, I feel like honestly, they took it up like several notches on that particular, even though it was smaller than like a full expansion. I thought it was super, super well done. If you, if you enjoy questing and story, um, and, and exploring a zone and that sort of stuff, that's some of the best work they've done in that regard. Yeah. It's phenomenal, phenomenal zone. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of all, um, for press releases and stuff. So we're about to get into the PTS discussion, unless you have anything else you want to add. Good to go. All right. So on PTS, this is version uh, 6.0.3, week four of PTS. And we are looking like it's pretty well locked in uh, as far as, um, you know, combat and ability and balance and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think this is pretty much what things are going to be looking like on the, on the live patch, unless we get some way out of left field surprise in the next couple of weeks. So um, we're mostly getting fixes and refinements. That's the vast majority of what is uh, on these patch notes. Uh, they're putting some finishing touches on antiquities, some last minute refinements on the housing precision editor, um, which I think Davies is probably going to be pretty that. excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exci very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be nice, actually, because there are times when you want to get something in your house in just the right position, and it can be difficult to get it just how you want it. So I'm, I'm, I'm there's, interested. There's probably going to be there's going to be times where you're going to feel like, Davius, get out of your house. Let's go. Let's go <laughs> hop into Imperial City. Get out of this place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll get lost. In yeah, this. yeah. You, you, you spend hours in that place, man. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's that's kind of that. Uh, but they did make some changes to uh, vampirism, and I think most of these changes, or at least at least some of these changes, are going to be most people are going to be happy about it. So for one, they're reducing the effects of the vampirism stages. So just like reducing the severity of of the effects. Um, so now the cost increase that you get for your non-vampire abilities is going to range from three to twelve percent you know from from stages one through four uh rather than five to twenty percent that's a that's a big reduction there that's i think that's a good thing still i wish uh stage one was zero percent honestly but you know I'll, I'll take that um the cost reduction for your vampire abilities is now going to range from six to twenty four percent rather than 10 to 40 percent i honestly wish they'd left that one alone you know i don't think anyone was upset about about that one yeah, um, you know, so like because because most of these other things can be considered other they're buffing vampirism, but then this one thing is a pretty considerable nerf, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then so your uh, flame damage taken um, at stages one and four is still going to be the same as before. It's going to be five and twenty percent respectively, uh, but stages two and three were, were reduced to eight and thirteen percent instead of ten and fifteen percent. Uh, and then your health recovery reduction, uh, same thing. It's the exact same at stages one and four. It's 10 and 100% health recovery reduction. Uh, but stages two and three were reduced to 30 and 60% rather than 40 and 70%. 
So that's all the changes to the vampirism stages, just kind of uh, softening that a little bit. Uh, and then the blood frenzy ability, this is the one that's a toggle, you toggle it on, it costs health per second, and you have a, what is it, a weapon and spell damage buff the whole time? Do you remember how much it is? It's a pretty big uh, buff. Like how much the, oh, it's 600, 600 weapon damage? Yeah. Weapon or spell damage, something around that Yeah, I number. think it's six, that's what I was wanting to say, 600. So you toggle this thing on, it eats your health every second while it stays on, but you have this 600 weapon and spell damage buff. So now um, the amount of health that it costs is going to increase by 20% every second that it remains toggled on, and it can stack indefinitely. So basically, this thing will for sure kill you eventually. There's no way you're going to be able to outheal this thing forever. Um, so you know you're going to have to be strategic about when you when you turn it on, when you turn it off, uh, and then of course when you turn it off, the 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 stacks are totally reset. The cost is back to the normal. Uh, and then the Simmering Frenzy Morph uh, no longer does that. No lo so the Simmering Frenzy Morph already did that before. It had, it had a cost increase for health uh, the longer you stay in that form or the longer you leave that turned on. Uh, since the base ability does that now, this morph is no longer going to do that, but it is going to give you an extra 10% weapon and spell damage for every second. Uh, so that's what that morph is going to give you. Um, yeah, and that's all that's changing for vampirism. Davis, I know you have a vampire build in the works. Any ideas... Like how this is going to affect that? Yeah, so uh, I got I got a lot of mixed feelings on all this stuff. Um, as far as my specific build, this is pretty uh, worrisome for my for my setup. So my my whole build centered around cost reduction and um, lowering that Scion Ultimate Morph. Mm -hmm. uh, with the cost reduction, you know, I got it down to 120 Ultimate. So um, it was, you know, use all my abilities, use a bunch of health, but I should be able to switch into that Scion that fully heals you. And so it was just kind of, that was just part of the rotation is that use all the abilities, spend a bunch of health, switch to Scion to get full health again, and then just kind of rinse, repeat. Um, so this, I'm a little worried about this. I'm still going to, I haven't played with the numbers or, you know, seen what these new numbers can do yet, but I'm still going to try to make the build the exact same thing. But the cost reduction going from 40% to 24% has me pretty worried, uh, as well as the Simmering Frenzy now being an ability that the longer you have it on, you know, so it used to just cost every second it ticks you down. Mm -hmm. Well, now, like you said, every second it's ticking you down, but it's increasing by 20% every second. So, um, yeah, so it's 20%, 40%, 60%, like each second. Yeah. Right? Like it kind of reminds me of like a minor chaos ball. If anybody's ever done those battleground yeah. uh, matches. Um, I, so I, I'm a little worried by that skill. I mean, maybe it's just a play style. Maybe it's just something that they really want you to get good at. Like, you don't toggle it on and then toggle it back off, toggle it on, toggle it back off. Yeah. Um, yeah. They definitely, it seems like they don't want you to just be able to hang out with this extra 600 damage, right? Like yeah. You're toggle Which, it on to, to get your burst combo, turn it back off. Yeah, which is kind of where my mixed feelings come from. I think overall, all of these changes make sense. You know, I have to look at it, like, take my thoughts of my build out of it and look at this. And it makes sense. I think these changes encourage more players to play Vampire, which is good. Um, but I think it, it is probably going to mess my build up. I'll probably have to go in and retinker with some things. Um, the Blood Frenzy ability, you know, has me worried because... 
you know, are you going to kick this on and then the buff that it gives you, you're going to be able to take someone out, but are you going to be able to recover from using it to take that person out? Like as soon as you take one person out and then turn around, is the next person automatically going to be able to get you? Yeah, I mean, you uh, probably have to just be smart about when you use it and avoid those yeah. kinds of situations and stuff. I mean, kind of makes sense from um, you think of like a, how a, how a vampire would play. You know, it's it kind of makes sense very they're very like strike from the shadows don't get caught out in the open too much you know it it, it kind of does seem yeah. to play into it th- thematically um yeah I'm, I'm curious to see like your build and what other people are able to pull off like if if we're actually going to see some really powerful crazy vampire builds that are making good use out of this i'm going to be really curious to see it i think players are kind of mixed on on this vampire rework honestly like i feel like I'm not super hot on it. I mean, I'm very curious, I think, is, is my thing. I want to I wanna see how it plays out. But most of my characters that were vampires, I've cured them already because I don't, I don't think I want this, mainly the cost increase that, I, that you get. Like, no matter what, you're getting some cost increase, and I, I just don't want yeah. that. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it, I feel like they have a good goal here. Like, right now, the way vampirism is is if you're a magicka build just be a vampire because you're missing out on some important passives otherwise so it's just like a given like of course you're going to be a vampire uh, whereas yeah. this it's like really going to have to be something you're choosing you know and you're going to have to think about do you really want to do this or not because there's you're going to be getting good and bad things yeah i think that's a good thing you know is that it should be this um thing that you choose or not choose rather than just um like you said before, it was kind of this passive where it was just like, well, of course you get this. It's kind of like the undaunted passive. Like, of course you're going to do this. You want those, you want those passive abilities that are going to help you out. Yeah. Um, it's much, much more like a, a werewolf setup now. Like, if you're going to be a werewolf, then then you're going to have certain decisions, uh, for yeah, w- you know, made for that. I kind of wish it was a little bit more like a werewolf though, because you know you can be a werewolf and just decide not to transform, and you know. It's true. Um, just for having the ultimate slotted, you get, I think, like 15% extra stamina recovery and zero penalties whatsoever. You just have the ultimate slotted and, you know, you can decide if you want to actually transform or not. Uh, you know, I wish Vampirism would kind of offer something like that where, you know, I'm, I'm getting a clear advantage all the time. Uh, and then if I actually want to be a vampire, that's a, that's a decision I can make. It'll be interesting to see if there's builds that can set up to where their vampire abilities they're using at the you know at the discount is making up, up for the cost you. increase the the abilities that they're not using yeah. you know because it's it just doubles you know you get a cost increase and then double that cost increase is the discount you get on the vampire ability so you almost would have to set up a rotation that you know uses two vampire abilities two non-vampire abilities and then you know depending on cost there might be a way to balance that out where maybe you're actually saving a little bit but yeah you can't you can't do a vampire build without you know utilizing multiple of these new vampire skills for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the thing is you're you're very unlikely to make a vampire and then not use any vampire skills, right? That would be probably not something yeah. you want to do. Yeah, I don't think, and there's still good passives, but you would just be you'd just be getting a flat cost increase that I don't think would make up for those passives. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. It's cool. I, I'm I'm very curious to see how Vampire plays out. Um, 
I have a Magblade Vampire that I'm going to use basically for RP purposes, right? I'm just going to do the, <laughs> the, the Greymore quests and um, go through Blackreach and see my vampire brothers and sisters. I might get that cool uh, house, that, that big manor, that creepy manor that's down in uh, Blackreach. It's really cool. Bastion Sanguaris? Sort of, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm Sanguinaris probably saying it wrong. or something like that. Yeah. Sanguinaris, yeah. Something um, like that. But I doubt I actually like do any serious like PvP gameplay with a vampire. Um, I'll just I'll leave that to you. No, I'll just get that. I'll just experience <laughs> that uh, through you. Um, so that's all I really wanted to talk about for vampirism, and that's kind of all the significant changes that are happening on PTS. They didn't really make any changes to armor sets or anything, but I did want to revisit this Malakath Band of Brutality. Uh, we talked about it before, but I think there were just things we weren't considering at the time. And since then, I've I've kind of had some conversations and read some forum discussions and stuff that have made me think of this in a new light. And I really think this thing right here has some major, major implications um, uh, coming up. So I'll just kind of explain my thought process uh, when we were first talking about this. So we were first reading it, and my thought was like, okay. A typical critical strike hits for 50% extra damage. And let's just assume you have a 50% crit rate. So that's going to average out to about 25% extra damage compared to a 0% crit rate. So in my mind, that seemed like a fair trade. The Band of Brutality is giving you a flat 25% damage increase, but no crits. And that's about the same amount of extra damage that a typical crit build is going to give you. So, it, you know... That seemed fair to me, and in PvE, like against a boss, I think that that math probably checks out because bosses don't have any critical resistance. And in fact, in PvE, I actually doubt this is going to be a very popular item at all because it's pretty easy to get like a over a 60% crit rate and deal like 60, 70, 80% damage on your crits. I think crit is still going to be favorable in PvE. Uh, but yeah. the point is, the math checks out in PvE because bosses don't have critical resistance. But in PvP, players do have critical resistance, and they usually have quite a bit of critical resistance. And so your crits aren't hitting for 50% additional damage. They're hitting for more like 25% additional damage. And so that's 25% extra damage when you crit, which is maybe half the time, depending on your crit rate. Uh, or you have this Malakath Band of Brutality that is giving you that exact same amount of damage increase all the time. Every single attack, every dot tick, every light attack weave, your ultimates, everything. Um, it's basically as if you have a 100% crit rate without having to invest in crit at all. Yeah. So which is a, you know, which is a double because now anything, you know, all of those opportunities to invest in crit, now you're putting towards, you know, putting more into weapon damage or you're putting yeah. more into sustain. That's always that's always the thing. That's the challenge with crit builds is your your crit is only as strong as the weapon or spell damage behind it. Uh, but with this, you can just go all in on weapon and spell damage. And it's and it's as if you have 100 percent crit rate on that huge stack of, of weapon and spell damage that you've, you've built up there. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. It's a big deal, and this is just, this is going to be probably the biggest factor in the in the upcoming meta, I think, um, than anything else. Uh, combined with the fact that we're also getting critical resistance added as a as a base stat to our characters, I think those two things, base crit resistance and the Malakath Band of Brutality, 
are, are really going to stand the meta on its head. And it might even take a little while for people to even figure out what they want their builds to look like. Because on one hand, we have players who essentially have, you know, a 100% crit rate that doesn't interact with critical resistance at all. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, we have players with a lot of base crit resistance now, uh, and so they can invest in other types of defense. Um, and so the question is, is like what, what type of defense to invest in? Because <clears throat> there's a lot of things to account for. We have this Malakath Band of Brutality. We still have crit builds out there. Those are still very much going to exist. You're still definitely going to need critical resistance. We're also going to have these super high penetration builds with, you know, the new Baylorgs and Stoons and stuff like that. So how effective is even your regular spell and physical resistance even going to be against those people? We have the Thrassian Stranglers out there with just a ton of damage uh, in general. Uh, and so, you know, it's like this whole paper, rock, scissors situation. You know, if you build to mitigate one kind of damage, you may not be prepared to deal with another kind of damage. Um, so I think the way to go as much as possible is going to be to invest in percentage-based damage mitigation. So things like Major Minor Protection, the new Black Rose Dual Wield uh, weapons that are getting reworked in a really nice way, uh, the Necromancer Spirit Guardian, anything like that that's like reduced damage taken by percentage amount, that's probably going to be a good way to go. Um, or my preferred playstyle, uh, which is just avoidance-based mitigation, just avoid taking damage, period. So utilizing movement, speed, roll dodge, line of sight, uh, in, uh, you know, invest in high sustain so you never get locked down, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's going to become a very popular kind of play style. I think we're going to see a lot more roly-polies, a lot more, even more sorks than we already see right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've ever like played Counter-Strike or watched people play Counter-Strike, I think PvP is going to maybe look kind of similar, where it's very... like. Time to kill is super low. Like you peek out from behind a corner and you get your head shot off. You know, like uh, I think it's going to be that kind of like be very careful. Think about your positioning all the time because if you get caught out of positioning, it's going to be lights out in the blink of an eye. So, so I think we're both in agreement. This Malakath band seems very, very uh, good. It seems very scary to that people are going to be on it. But I'm interested to ha see how this works into. You know, there's a lot of uh skills and passives out there that work crit you know the one that first comes to mind is the the sork ability you know um what's the name of it uh surge yeah, yeah surge so you know when you crit you get you can you get your healing and healing back and that's all really big to a lot of sork builds yeah and so they're not going to want to go with this uh and the same thing with a lot of set builds out there you know Briarheart comes to mind that's a really popular set right now and so yeah, certainly i mean yeah you're you're totally right like not everyone is going to be putting this thing on any sork using critical surge i'm not going to want to use it probably most uh templars they they get a, some really nice crit bonuses they're probably not going to want to use it Nightblades certainly not um Probably any Khajiit, if they're actually trying to take advantage of their race passives, aren't going to want to use it. Yeah. So it's not just like, you know, plus this thing's going to be super rare. Like how even yeah. easy is it going to be to get a hold of this band of brutality? Um, so it's not like just everyone's going to be wearing this thing, you know. Uh, it's just going to be some people, uh, but you still very much have to watch out for crit. It's going to be just as deadly as ever. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. Really, just base, the most terrifying thing, about this to me is that you can stack this with major berserk 
Yeah, that's, and that just that's seems the surprising insane. thing to me, that it doesn't just say Grant's major berserk at all times, but you can't yeah. That seems like what it... Surely at some point in the future it'll be changed to that, I imagine. Yeah, but you would yeah. think so. You put this, you uh, pair this up with Unchained Aggressor or oh something gosh. like that, and um, yeah, man, that could be that could be wild, real wild. Just an insane amount of damage. Yeah. Um, alrighty, that is the Malakath Band of Brutality. I think we've said all there is to say about that. That with the base crit resist is absolutely going to put the PvP meta in a blender for a little while, and I'm really curious <laughs> to see. Like what people's defensive setups, like a typical PvP defensive setup. Like, are you going to go to, you know, these websites and look at these build guides? And, you know, whereas it used to say, you know, all seven pieces impen every single time, is there going to be like a standard, like these are the traits? If you don't know what other traits to use, just use these. Is it still going to be impen? Is it going to be kind of a mix of other things? Or is every build just going to be totally different? Uh, I really, be... like, I'm curious to see like six months from now what what the environment's yeah. looking like it's gonna be a crazy six months <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, like, for us figuring that out like i'm already figuring like for my builds i know like for, oh, for my dog pardon pardon my dog uh <laughs> i mean i already know like my stamina builds are probably going to do like um three m pen four well fitted probably almost all my stamina builds are going to use that kind of setup um my Magicka builds are going to be... Like, I have one Magicka build that's going to go all Divines, but I'm really not sure about the rest. Um, anyway, there's a lot of possibilities. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention is uh, the Arena weapons. Uh, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, so I just wanted to kind of give a quick update. Um, so if you don't remember, they're putting, like, Maelstrom Arena and Dragonstar Arena. Uh, those weapons are going on a uh, perfected, non-perfected system. Uh, just like Black Rose Prison uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, you can do Maelstrom Arena on normal uh, and get a Maelstrom Arena Fire Staff or something like that. Um, and then if you do it on Veteran, you'll get a perfected version of that weapon, which has a, an additional line of stat on there. Um, so that's really, really cool. That's really great. Um, but the, the issue with that is if you are a person who has already done Veteran Maelstrom Arena, you already have your Maelstrom Staff, then when this patch goes live, they are not going to automatically upgrade that to the perfected version. Even though you earned it from the veteran content, which is where the perfected version comes from, it's too bad you're gonna have the normal version as if you had done the normal version of the arena. Um, super duper lame. There really is no update on this, and that's just, that's the update is that there is no update. Uh, I'm just bringing it up again because it's been a few weeks and it has been total radio silence from the developers. There is thread after thread after thread on the forums, multiple pages long on each one of these threads, player after player, really just wanting to know why this decision was made. Like, why aren't you upgrading my weapon that I earned on Veteran? Um, there has not been the slightest effort to address those questions whatsoever. It's just silence. Uh, the last word that was said on the subject was just that it's not happening. Uh, and that's yeah. the end of it. So it's that's all there is. It's a big bummer. <laughs> uh, that's really all there is to say about it. There isn't much more story than that. I just wanted to check back in on it because it's it's so lame. And I would think I would have thought surely by now there would have been some development on this, but it looks like it's this is just what it's going to be. And you know, it's, you just got to you just have to accept it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, super lame. Super super lame. I would hope that the radio silence 
is that they've gone back and looked and they're looking in to see if they have the capability to make this change and make it in time. And they're trying to figure that out. So maybe they're holding any updates or conversation to see if they can actually make the change. And, you know, they don't want to promise something that they're not able to do. Yeah, it's it's such a strange thing. And I, I don't want to, you know, we don't have to go too deep into this. We already talked about it again. I just wanted to kind of revisit it and just uh, just let people know, hey, still no change on this. You're still not getting your weapons upgraded. Um, and that's that's really the, the end of the conversation there. Yep. Okay, so why don't we take a quick break uh, and we'll come back and talk about what we've been up to in the Elder Scrolls Online here lately. Sounds good. Okay, we are back from break, fully caffeinated, ready to go. We're going to talk about some Elder Scrolls Online and uh, I'll just start by talking about um, what I've been up to here lately. So number one, this week I've been working on a Magicka Necromancer support healer build uh, for PvP. Um, I talked about it a little bit on the episode. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but um, I just want to talk about it again because it's, it's really coming along nicely. I'm super happy with it. This is going to be an amazing build, and I think it's actually going to be perfect for this upcoming patch. Um, so just as a reminder, it's it's a Magicka Necromancer. I'm using um, Robes of Mending, aka the Healing Mage set that comes from Ethereum Archive. Using that new Cyrodiil Crafted set, Critical Repost. Um, and last time I was undecided on the Monster set, but this time I've, uh, I think I am decided on going with Mighty Chudan. Uh, it's, a, it's a great monster set, and I really like using it on healers especially because you're juggling so much as a healer already, so many hots and just buffs and debuffs and things like that. I feel like just getting rid of that one that one less armor buff to, to worry about just kind of helps stay focused and, and be able to make these like in the moment fast decisions that you have to make sometimes. So I really like using Mighty Chudan for that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this Critical Repost set because getting a hold of it proved to be quite an experience. <laughs> so if you haven't um if you haven't messed with these Cyrodiil crafted sets before, they're located at these like farms in Cyrodiil and they're these places are owned by different factions. And if your faction doesn't control that farm, like if you don't own all the flags there, you can't get into the crafting station. So you, you actually have to take that resource or not not resource, but you have to take that farm uh before you're allowed to enter and use the crafting station. Uh, and so, you know, my characters are all in the, on the Ebonheart pack for the most part, or my crafter is, at least. Uh, and the crafting station I needed to get to was on this farm, deep, deep in uh, AD territory, all the way on the other side of the map. And if you've been to Cyrodiil, you know how huge that map is. <laughs> it's a journey. So it took forever, even with a fully leveled mount, it took forever to get across the map. Uh, and I get there. And it's it's on a main route, like between these two keeps that are fighting. So anytime you know I, st I start taking the flags, uh, the place gets flagged, and whatever AD person or people are on their way to whatever other fight, they just stop there on their way and ruin my good time. You know, like <laughs> they either will you know kill me or they'll just start taking the flags back so that I can't you know use the resource or whatever. Uh, super super frustrating. Um, so it just it took me forever just to be able to just get in there and use the stinking crafting station. 
Um, so anyway, finally got it. Got in there, crafted uh, the critical repose set. It's a really, really cool set. Uh, I'm really, um, you know, I'm really pleased with it. I think it's gonna be cool. That along with the mending set. So I'm reducing everyone's critical damage and their weapon damage anytime they basically get near me. Uh, and the and the heals are just off the chart too. Really cool build. I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, and I'm getting I'm putting some finishing touches on my um, stamina templar as well. I just need some transmute uh, crystals to finish that out, and then that's going to be finished. We'll make a build video, and I'm really excited about that because that is my very favorite character. Um, and otherwise, I've just been doing some Imperial City. You and I, Davius, did some Imperial City last night. Um, we met up with our buddy Icy, who's been on previous episodes, and we grouped up with one other dude. It was the four of us. We decided to venture deep into DC territory, go check out their tunnels uh, in the sewer. <laughs> uh, we get down there, we get pretty deep in there. We get like way, way down in their, in their tunnels, and we encounter this duo, this DC duo, a, a necromancer... Actually, I was thinking. I was thinking about this. They were actually AD the duo. I thought they were DC, and then an AD group came in behind us later. No, the two of them were AD, and that was what was so unique about finding them there. And then the DC group was coming, and then I'm assuming just to clear out their tunnels. I was thinking about this. Oh, okay. So it was actually two AD uh, players, and it was very unique seeing them that deep into DC. Okay, yeah, I guess my my memory was was unclear there. All right, these two AD guys then in DC territory. It was a, a necromancer and a warden, and these dudes were just gods, were they not? <laughs> they were unbelievable. Unbelievable, they... man. So it was four of us trying to take the two of them down. They nearly wipe us. They killed two of us. Yep. Uh, me and Icy slip away. We're we're heading back towards like the middle area of the sewers. And then we run into this massive DZ, DC Zerg, probably like 10 or so of them. So they just, you know, they just trample right over us. We die right away. <laughs> so then these, and then, uh, so Davis, the, that two man, uh, those, that, that duo, they killed you. You were one of the, you were just laying there on the ground in that room where they killed you. And yeah. then this DC Zerg that just killed us rolled in there. And you just laid there dead on the ground and watched these two dudes wipe just, this entire Zerg, right? I just admired greatness. I The two of them, uh, I mean, they they clearly, they're buddies, and clearly they put strategies into these two builds, complemented each other perfectly. Absolutely. Uh, all the respect because, I mean, they, they those two guys know what they're doing. They built two builds that, that feed off of each other. Yeah, and I just I just sat there and admired as they wiped this entire DC group of about ten people. Yeah, about ten people, I would say. And these two guys, you know, according to Davius, just sit there and mop the floor with them. I don't doubt yeah. it for a second because they were incredible. Absolutely they, incredible. Yeah, I mean, tanky. One of them was kind of the tanky healer, and the other one was dealing the damage. And uh, I mean, they just yeah, yeah. One of the the healer had like a guard. He was putting guard on the yep. on the other guy the whole time, and. You just couldn't put any damage into either one of them. And then uh, I think it was the, the Necromancer that was dealing most of the damage. Yeah. We just looked for this window of opportunity and just deliver that burst. And it was lights out before you even knew what happened. Um, yeah, kudos to those dudes. Really, really yeah. awesome. Icy was so impressed that he <laughs> he whispered. So Icy's a sucker for a, for a support build. Uh, and so he whispered the tank and just was like asking him questions and getting like build ideas and stuff. 
Basically, we lost IC for the rest of the night because he just <laughs> you just parked his character and was just chatting with this dude for literal hours last night while Davius and I were running around Imperial City. IC was still in group with us, but he was just like picking this dude's braid and the whole time it was it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we went up top for a while. Basically, got zerged down like twenty times in a row, but uh, <laughs> we, we got into a handful of pretty good scuffles though. Uh, it was it was a fun time for sure. Yeah. I played it was, it was my, a lot of fun. Uh, Stamplar and and this uh, necromancer healer both for a little while. Uh, yeah, definitely had some had some good times. And that's my week in the Elder Scrolls Online. What have you been up to, man? You know, I'm still leveling up my upcoming necromancer vampire. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've talked about him too much at this point, but uh, probably today he's going to hit fifty. Um, Okay. You know, as I've hit as I've hit the higher levels, it's been kind of unique because he's so uh, graymore focused that he doesn't. I don't have any of the abilities I'm using, so I'm just leveling up the abilities from Necromancer that I'm using, so that I can already have those leveled up. Uh, and I'm leveling up vampire abilities. You know, we've kind of talked about this. We're a little in the dark about you know they've said all right, vampire abilities and vampire skill lines experience will carry over. Mm-hmm. but we're a little in the dark about exactly the details on that. So I'm leveling up the vampire ability so I can carry over the experience, but I don't know exactly what morphs are going to carry over to level up what morphs. Oh, are they going to mention to you, I think on that live stream last night, they sort of touched on a few of those things. Oh, okay. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go and look into that. Cause I'm, I haven't been entirely sure, you know, I've just gone with morphs that I thought were very similar. And so, Hopefully I'm guessing the right ones, but, um, but yeah, but it's kind of created this, you know, I'm this high level character and I'm just doing quests and things like that. But, um, I have a lot of all the skills that I'm leveling up are most of the support skills for the build. All the damage is going to come from the vampire line. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it has made questing a little interesting as I'm running around with just a whole bunch of support skills. Uh, and then I think I've got like one spammable with the destruction staff. Um, that I've been kind of running around. So it's it's the questing slowed down a little bit, but uh, it's still been a lot of fun. Uh, knocked out both the uh, the Skyrim zones. Uh, of course. East March, the Rift, knocked those both out. Uh, just kind of uh, doing the main quest line and kind of running around doing some battlegrounds, under 50 battlegrounds. And then I was also going to... Uh, one of the kind of things I've recently found out with this character is... You know, I think we've all run into this. When you go back to your faction's initial, it's not like the main capital city. I don't really know how to explain it. Maybe like the main starting city, if you will. I don't really know how to label those. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Like Volkelgard and yeah. Davin's Watch. And, Davin's yeah. Watch is, is the Evan Hart-packed one. Yeah. But anytime you go back to those cities, and I think we've all run into this, there's like... 25 npcs that are yelling at you or following you or you know saying hey over here things like that it's 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 like you're in this like fair that you're going through and all these npcs are yelling at you and stuff yeah and usually i just ignore it because i usually don't you know i'm not in those towns a whole lot they're uh me personally i'm not crazy about the layout of davin's watch and and so i don't usually visit there a whole lot well randomly with this character i decided you know i was going to do some extra quests and so i was just decided all right i'm gonna try out these prologue quests uh i've never really done them um so when you say pro prologue quests like what do you mean so like every dlc or every expansion uh has they release like a prologue quest that's before the expansion so 
with Greymore, uh, if anybody hasn't done it or already has done it, it's the prologue quest is where you get introduced that Lyris uh, is going to be the NPC that kind of help you with this this Skyrim uh, Greymore vampire situation. So uh, you the whole prologue is you go meet Lyris and then you travel around. You're figuring out about these vampires. You go back to Eastmarch and the Windhelm. You actually get they opened up a new zone where you actually can finally go into the palace. It's been closed off in this game forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As someone who hangs out in Windhelm a lot, you always hear the NPCs, you know, saying, "No wonder the palace is closed." It's it's a one of those lines you hear a hundred times. Yeah. But uh, so every expansion has these prologue quests where you know you go through and it's just basically kind of an introduction to this next expansion. But if you started playing after an expansion and you missed an expansion, or maybe you just started in Somerset, you know, you didn't really get involved in Morrowind, or maybe you just started with Elsewhere, you didn't do Somerset or, or Morrowind, you know, there's nothing really to lead you back to these quests other than when you go back to like a Davin's Watch and you'll see an NPC or you'll see somebody say something, but you just, they kind of get lost in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's not really anything that directs you back to these and so I actually just kind of sought them out. Um, but they're actually, they're really, really fun quests. They actually are really cool. I went back and did them, and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually kind of learned some stuff about the expansions that I never really knew what was going on or, you know, little question that I always had for expansions. Um, and they give really cool rewards. Like you get for the, the collectors out there, you get like special dyes, you get mementos, you get... Um, motifs you actually can get really cool rewards from these prologue requests usually it gives you something unique when you complete it yeah i did the great i did the graymore prologue and got like some cool like style stuff um, that my magblade's wearing now yeah so i just thought it was you know i was just going to give a shout out that anybody if anybody has kind of ignored these the entire time like i have done um, they're definitely worth going back and doing you get some really cool rewards um, you just kind of have to seek them out because there's not really, you know, they've done a great job with, um, you know, when you open up the the map in a zone, it kind of leads you to the zone. You you can find the quest. They've done a great job with that. Um, but these prologue quests have just kind of been, uh, once the expansion's out and things have moved on, it's kind of hard to seek these back out. Because they're optional, um, right? Like once the expansion's here, you can just pull yeah. it straight to, say, Somerset, and you may, may not even know that prologue exists at all, right? Exactly. Yeah, you can completely skip it and just completely go on and and start the quest. And so these kind of get forgotten. But uh, I went and did them, and I actually had a lot of fun doing them. And they they're very well designed. Um, you know, they 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 lead to the story. They usually have cool NPCs as a part of them. Uh, they travel around a lot. You go to a bunch of different places. Um, so I actually highly recommend those. Cool cool quests, good rewards. Uh, I've had a lot of fun kind of going back and doing those. Cool man. Awesome. Do you have any been up to anything else? Just uh, Imperial City with you. Um, being amazed by those those two guys uh, down in the in the sewers. Yeah. Um, they were that was it was a sight to it was a sight to see. And know. you know it's we talk about this all the time. It's always fun uh, that as much as success as we have in PvP, there's just as many times out there that we are struggling or having it, and so it's. It's oh, it's yeah. so much fun kind of going forward and always striving and being like, all right, I could have done this better. I could have gotten this better. Um, always have fun with that. after and, and, and last night was a lot of fun, but it was kind of one of those nights where it's like, all right, I've got some 
some tinkering to do or maybe you know it's some slight changes on builds one of those humbling experiences when you're you're reminded that you're not as good as maybe you think you are <laughs> yep, yep. you know you've been playing a long time you've had some success you've, you've gotten some kills you made the bg leaderboards but uh then look at these two guys though like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like, uh, uh yeah it's definitely a good reminder yeah so it was it was actually I, even when there's good nights and bad nights there's still just a lot of fun so oh yeah yeah total blast last night was popping man there, there was like a ton of people on yeah it was a busy night it was a very busy night and it was only the two of us most of the time i mean there were a bunch of randoms around but as far as like you know being organized is really just kind of you and me most of the time yeah uh, so we, we were outnumbered quite a lot we we spent quite a lot of time just running away <laughs> <laughs> running uh, away from zergs yeah uh, but yeah it was fun uh, i i always love imperial city that's that's you know our new home i think until bg group grouping comes back anyway yeah we don't have to get all on that tangent <laughs> we, we won't even go down that road but yeah, yeah i 100 percent agree imperial city's been a, a really uh fun pvp home yeah all right. Well, it's going to be kind of a shorter podcast this time. Uh, you know, we're kind of in a, a bit of a lull. We're just kind of waiting for the expansion to go live. And PTS tends to kind of quiet down quite a bit at this time anyway. Um, so, yeah, we're just kind of playing Elder Scrolls and waiting for that uh, expansion to go live, which I, I'm actually really excited about it. Um so this is normally where we would read any comments or emails that people have sent in, but nobody made any comments or sent any emails this week, so there are none. But if you'd like to get a hold of us, feel free to leave a comment on any YouTube video or send an email to scrollinpodcast at gmail.com. That's scrolling with an I-N, no G. Uh, scrollinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any questions, comments, remarks, funny jokes, anything like that, um, and maybe we'll read it here on the podcast. Um, I think that's about all I have to say. Davius, if people want to get a hold of you, how should they do that? Um, just find me in game. It's at Starjumper. Um, you know, and like I said, we're, we usually live in Imperial City. So uh, whether you're against us or with us, come down there and have some fun. Um, oh, and before we go, a uh, quick shout out for Stoons Goons, the guild. Uh, if you'd like <laughs> to be uh, a member of the Stoons Goons, uh, we are still accepting members, even though... You know, we have a full, I think, five people now. So, you know, it's filling up fast. So, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of students about to be made yeah, and dispersed. Yeah. So, uh, you can email scrollinpodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, send me or Davius a mail in game. That's uh, at Cat Sparrowhawk or at Starjumper. Uh, just let us know you want to be a goon and we'll get you in there. And I think that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening.